This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous with the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney Schindler, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each week, we have one goal in mind, to provide advice, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. As travel advisors, we are in this beautiful world of human connection and relationships. We foster and build relationships with our clients and with our supplier partners. And it would be hard to say that one of these relationships is more important than the other. Without one, the other can't thrive. Without supplier partners, it would be really difficult to service our client inquiries. And without clients, we don't have a need for supplier partners. There are many conversations that center around talking points with prospective clients, questions to ask new clients to get to know them better, how to keep in touch from the end of one trip and to the beginning of another, but seemingly few about building relationships with our supplier partners. So let's start the conversation on how we can foster positive, mutually beneficial relationships with our supplier partners. I believe that if one of these relationships is stronger than the other, clients for to suppliers, then we are missing out on the potential our business could benefit from if we invested more time and energy into all of the relationships that lead to success as a travel advisor. I am very excited to be joined by two travel advisors with me today, Leah Kurgis, owner and founder of World of Luxury Travel, and Janelle Ruhumuliza, founder and luxury travel advisor of Lilacs and Chai. Leah and Janelle, welcome. Good morning, Whitney. Thanks for having us. Yes, good morning. Thank you. Leah, to get started, tell us a little bit about your background as a travel advisor and your experience heading into this conversation. Yeah, wonderful. I have been in the industry for 15 years now coming up uh, in December and, you know, really have seen it from kind of both sides of the coin where I've been, you know, an in-house employee assisting leads and clients. I've worked a little bit with vendor relations um, where the suppliers, you know, who were trying to come into the agency to do lunch and learns and presentations, I would kind of make those appointments. And I have since transitioned into being an independent affiliate and started my own company and brand. So um, yeah, I've kind of seen it from both sides of the of the coin, if you will. Yeah. And you've really, you have a lot of experience on, on all aspects of being a travel advisor and working in an agency. That's fantastic. Janelle, tell us a little bit about your experience working um, in hospitality and in hotels prior to starting as a travel advisor. Yeah. So I was uh, on the hospitality hotel side for about 12 years. I started out in operations, front desk, um, loyalty ambassador where I helped with all of our loyal guests. Love that. It was definitely a lot of surprising and delighting. And it was great to be featured on like TripAdvisor and just mentioned across the hotel. After operations, I moved into a sales role. So I worked with a few different companies, but worked my way up. I worked with Starwood with the Metro Market in San Diego. So hotels like the W San Diego and the US Grant at the time. And then La Valencia in La Jolla, San Diego area. And then the last hotel I was at was Monarch Beach Resort. So definitely a well-rounded experience as far as operations, knowing what actually goes into the day-to-day as far as the hotel and VIP guests, and then moving that into a sales role and, you know, working mainly with leisure clients and understanding the high touch um, particular clients from celebrities to CEOs, C-level executives across the board and being able to deliver. And then also working with uh, a lot of our travel agency partners across the country. So all the different consortia visiting. I also uh, handled Mexico 
as one of my markets. So I was able to go to Mexico quite a few times on sales trips. And I speak Spanish fluently because I spent a year in Argentina in college. And so doing sales calls in Mexico City, Monterrey, Guadalajara, it was, you know, definitely an amazing experience. But to see, you know, obviously what travel advisors do every day gave me a really great understanding of what to do in, in transitioning into my role now almost three years in January with Lilacs and Chai. And so really exciting. I think it's it's really powerful that you have experience both on the operation side, especially working so close with the VIP guests, because that's who our guests are today, right? The VIP right. guests. So you know exactly what that looks like on the hotel side of things when they arrive. And then working on the sales team, it's a completely different ballgame when you're working on the sales team, right? Yes. So I am the least experienced of this trio in the hospitality industry. I worked for four years at Starwood. Um, I did work in China. So I have actually never worked in a hotel in the US, which is funny. And I was the director of operational excellence. So I worked in a hotel that had almost 800 rooms right in the center of one of the biggest cities in the world. And we were about a 60-40 corporate leisure mix. So we had just everybody walking through our doors. And my primary responsibility was going through all of the surveys that we received from TripAdvisor and from our own hotel-specific survey. And a lot of those surveys are people typing in their experience, right? It's really hard to track the feedback. So I it was my responsibility to turn their feedback. Um, you know, housekeeping didn't come one day or the front desk was really, really great. But then when I checked out, the lines were really long. You know, this kind of feedback, I it was my responsibility to turn, to turn this all into numbers so that we could track it and so that we could see trends and we could understand, is this a one-off sort of challenge or is this an ongoing challenge in which we need to we need to make changes? And then whatever we found from the, that data and from those statistics, I would launch projects with each of the departments. So it could have been a project with housekeeping, the front office, the restaurants, or even engineering. So that was really interesting. And then the second part of my job was running all of the audits. So when the hygiene auditor showed up or when the Starwood brand auditor showed up, I was there with my iPad walking around, making sure that everything was flawless. So my attention to detail in regards to brand standards and hygiene is now over the top, <laughs> thanks to <laughs> being in charge of all of these audits. I would say so. I love that. And I actually met Janelle when she was on the hotel side and Initially, we met at La Valencia, and then you you moved up to Monarch Beach, and yeah. and now she's on our team. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, so I think it's really helpful that to understand a little bit of our background, where we're coming from. Janelle and I both have the operations side, but you also have the sales side, which I have no experience in. I was never working on the sales team, so that's even additional experience. So let's dive into these questions a little bit now that we have kind of some perspective of where all of our thoughts and ideas are coming from. In major destinations around the world, be it New York City, London, Paris, or somewhere like Cusco in the Sacred Valley, there's such a tremendous selection of hotels for us to choose from. And not just any hotel, in a lot of these places, we have an overabundance of preferred partner hotels to choose from. So Janelle, where do you begin when researching hotel options in a destination that is brand new to you? So one of the first things I do, and I think this this process has evolved, obviously, over the last few years. I think it's so important as advisors to take a step back and look at who who the client is and you know what their specific needs are and everyone travels a little bit different so it's understanding do they find comfort in a brand that you can stay at anywhere in the world and it's pretty much the same experience or do they like that sense of place and want to feel like they're actually in in the destination so a lot of our preferred partners think that that's usually 
usually the first place where I'll start. And the reason for that is mainly because I know that there will be additional perks, additional benefits that they'll be able to enjoy and then enhance their trip. So I think as a newer advisor, every single client and making that really special experience is so crucial for us because it's like we want that repeat business. We want to make that impression or um, maybe if they don't travel to, you know, very often they're able to recommend us to someone. So I, I would say a lot of the preferred partners are where I start with first and then understanding their travel style, their travel personality, and then really being able to offer thoughtful recommendations. So someone who I know is like a total foodie, you know, I'll, I'll look at Relay and Chateau or maybe like if someone prefers like more boutique hotels, I'll look at SLH and, you know, mm-hmm. go that route. So that's Mm -hmm. typically where I start. So I think that's a really good way to start just kind of working from the top down because each of our preferred partners, they always have their own little unique element to their hotel collection. Mm -hmm. So let's say, I mean, really in some of these cities, even if we narrow it down to just Relay and Chateau, or even if we narrow it down to just SLH or our consortium hotels, there still might be five, six, seven, eight options, right? Mm -hmm. And they all might have a sense of place. They all might have a great restaurant, like even especially in these really big city. So Leah, when you're looking and you have five, six, seven, eight hotels that are all kind of hitting the mark, mm-hmm. what are some additional details that you're looking for to start honing in so that we're not overwhelming the client and we're only wanting to send them a few options? Feel like these are just for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, I would probably start again, you know, based on our collaborative call that we have, where do you want to stay in terms of the city? Do you want to be more Times Square? Do you want to be more downtown, for example, mm-hmm. or or what part of Paris do you prefer to be in? Maybe they don't even know, you know, and I would go back to, well, what is your goal of your stay? Do you want to do shopping? Do you want to do the major sites and attractions? And then based on that, I would narrow it down further. For example, if they are dead set on staying in Four Seasons in New York to Four Seasons, I know that the Four Seasons in Midtown is going to price out, you know, nearly double in the Four Seasons downtown. So it will even come down to price point a lot of times. Mm -hmm. That at yep. that point in time. So I would say price point and location is a way to yep. narrow it down further. Location will often change quite a bit if someone is expecting to be within walking distance of everything that they want to do, or if they want to prioritize the hotel and they understand that that might require a cab or, or a metro ride to get to where they want to go. When each of you send hotel options to your clients, how do you present them? Do you say, here are my three picks and here's why? Do you offer pros and cons for each option? Or do you just kind of make your selections that are personalized and then send them to them and kind of let the clients absorb the information on their own? Janelle, how do you approach the proposal aspect of the hotels? So yeah, I think before, I mean, I used to work with a very like busy owner of an agency and her style was very much just like get things out, like literally screenshots of like rates. And that was how her clients rolled. It was, it was, it it was an interesting approach, but it got things done and people appreciated the promptness of everything. I tend to be a little bit more, here's the email, usually an email. I mean, if it's a more detailed, if it's more than just hotels, 
a full proposal, then obviously there's tools like Travify that I would plug things in. But for just hotels, I'll just include several options, several room categories, like a variety of different room categories that I think would would help. I tend to push the envelope with the price point. Like I'll just put a, like aspirational um, <laughs> room category or whatever in the quote, just to like be if it catches. <laughs> um, and sometimes it does. I don't know. Sometimes they feel celebratory and it's really exciting to be able to do that. But usually it's just breakdown of the dates, the hotels, uh, link. Sometimes I'll use the destination like details. So I'm in San Diego, for instance. So Visit San Diego is a really great resource that I use a lot for just dreaming. I think that sometimes we get so caught up in the just like, here's the details and Mm -hmm. that that people are emotional when they're making their buying decisions a lot of the time. And so I think including a bit of that inspiration is super helpful. And having had worked on the hotel side and knowing how much goes into that, how much effort and how much these resources really do showcase the destinations. I try to do that quite a bit. So whether it's honing in on that destination's um, tourism site and then including some videos, just like quick little, here's a two minute video. It shows, you know, the kids at five different places I thought you guys would be able to enjoy during your trip and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's fun to like be able to help to include in quick proposals so that they're able to start to envision themselves there and then buy in. I love that you mentioned that people make decisions with their emotions because I think I'm a very like practical, straightforward minded kind of person. And so sometimes when I would present a hotel, I'll be like, well, you're 10 minutes walking distance from the site that you want to visit. And it's like, whoa, 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 step back. (laughs) Let's talk about the rooftop bar with a swimming pool that after they finish a full day's tour, they can come back and enjoy a cocktail before walking to their dinner that's nearby of a restaurant that they really want to try. So the storytelling aspect is so important. And I love that you mentioned videos as well. And I've said this on a podcast before, but uh, suppliers, the more videos you have, the better. It's really helpful <laughs> because it even it even gets me fired up when I when I go to a hotel website and I see the video footage of the property and it's just very it just helps me envision myself there and then Absolutely. I want to be there. I love it. Leah, what types of details do you include? Do you try to guide your clients and, and mention the certain the restaurants or or the bars that are on site, or do you mention the pros and cons of because you know it's it's really, really hard to find one hotel that just ticks all the boxes that everyone's looking for. Right. It's really hard. And I often find that when clients give us a list of these are our priorities, then I can send and I can say, well, with this hotel, we've ticked these priorities off, but we're missing this one. And with this hotel, we've got these, but we're missing this one. Here are the pros and cons. That's something that I do sometimes. What are some of those differentiating factor details that you might include when sending options to a client? Yeah. For this one, I was thinking back. So I was the manager of leisure travel at Cadence Travel, who I just, I'm still affiliated with, but just branched out on my own from. And I oversaw a team there. And one of my goals was to make sure that my entire team was quoting hotels in the same format. So we kind of put together the standard operating procedure of three or four nights let's say hotel stay in Paris, where it was, we were trying to keep it just streamlined and simple. And so based on the requirements that the client has, we would try to narrow it down to three different options. And from there, kind of just 
point out why we're suggesting this one. Maybe at this property, I can get you a junior suite or the price of the deluxe at the neighbor property. Or perhaps this option has a stay for pay three kind of a thing. And again, we're like still hitting all those checks that they they need, whether it's location or um, price point, whatever the case may be. And then from there, um, present it to them via email, but then say, let's get on a call and I'll kind of walk you through why we're suggesting these three. Okay. Interesting. Janelle, I almost forgot you mentioned previously that you also always include like an aspirational, I call it a splurge option, whether it's a room category or a hotel that would actually feel like a splurge. Leah, do you do that as well? Do you like to include kind of splurge or aspirational options for your clients? Yeah. I usually say this would be the wow hotel. (laughs) Yeah. I like that as well. And I always do it because you just never know. And sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they really choose that one. And sometimes it's splurge from start to finish of their trip. And sometimes it's just a little splurge sprinkle at the end to kind of end off their trip. But I love that idea as well. So when you both are meeting hotel partners, Leah, you mentioned that you were arranging a lot of the visits for suppliers coming into the agency. And Janelle, you've been on the other side of actually meeting uh, advisors. That's how you and Leah met. So whether you're meeting with hotel partners on a site inspection, during a FAM, at an industry event, perhaps, or perhaps maybe even just on a webinar, what key questions do you ask them in person if you when you want to get to know their property. I have always said from the beginning that if I can Google the answer, then I try not to ask those questions, especially at a trade show where we might only have four or five, six minutes with that partner. Um, I try to Google all the things I can prior to meeting to them. So what are the questions that you're asking partners that you can't find on Google, but you can you can talk to someone in person about it. I typically like to ask, you know, what's what is something that this property is known for? Whether it's a signature drink, signature activity, or um, excursion type arrangement, spa treatment. What, just give me something that makes this property unique and 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 a unique selling point. Mm-hmm. I like that. I also ask about unique amenities that they've arranged in the past. I like to see how creative their team gets with different amenities for their clients. Yeah. Especially for the little children amenities, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. the little robes and the little yeah. animal of the, of the blue heron that's at the lagoon near the hotel, just things like that mm-hmm. that are really super mm-hmm. cute. <laughs> You know, when you meet a hotel partner, whether you're at the property or perhaps at a trade show, what are some of the questions that you ask? Yeah, I think it comes down to like something unique, something that's special, something that's like a story. You know, I like just the history. I'm like, I find it fascinating to understand the ownership and how the hotel has progressed over time. If it's, you know, an older hotel and it has a bit of a story to tell. I love that. But then I think it comes down to also the people because having had worked in hotels and seeing the clients who come back year after year, it's not usually like, oh, I want this room with this view. It's like, hey, I, um, you know, my kids were asking about Mark, the doorman, and they were so excited to see him again. And so I think it's like little moments like that. If it's like a bartender who has been there for years or, you know, a housekeeper who is like a staple or, you know, there's just little those little moments, I think, finding out who is the veteran there on property and who can I connect them with. And then also, uh, I think it. It doesn't happen as often, but I think when asking, you know, hey, I have a VIP client that's going to be traveling to your area, you know, what are you doing different? 
as far as the amenities, the stories, the things that are helpful to sell, I think that that's really important, but it's, I think it's the hotel understanding that they're going to make me look like a rock star, whether that particular client is only going to visit once, maybe every 10 years, they have to understand that there is a monetary value to going above and beyond for travel advisors and their clients. So how I equate that is like, you know, can you send down senior leadership for a VIP greet? Are there special things that you do, you know, if you have an upgrade and obviously knowing the hotel, there's inventory that you have to manage and that you have to work through. So can I feel confident that my client is going to get top consideration when you're balancing your inventory a couple weeks out and I don't have to like ask, like it's a pleasant surprise. So I think that that's key for me, just knowing those little key points. Like if I know that it's a hotelier that is going to go above and beyond every single time and makes that relationship a priority, that is super key for Mm -hmm. personally, because I know where to push it and (laughs) what's possible. And and I I think really it empowers us to, to really make sure that our clients have really great stays and be their advocates. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that because sometimes hotels can be really shiny and fancy on the outside. But at the end of the day, what what I notice from one hotel to the next is the feeling when I walk in and the personalities and the characters of the people that I meet working at the hotel. And I am sorry to say that I've stayed at some really stunning hotels that are very Instagrammable, if we want to say that. Mm-hmm. But there was no character. There was no service. Um, not that there was no service. The service, like it wasn't, it didn't have personality. Yeah. You know, people didn't seem friendly. They didn't seem to care that I was there. Um, and this was even before I was a travel advisor. So I just thought, wow, this, this wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. Right. So you really want to feel that vibe and that character from hotels. Exactly. I also like to ask who their biggest competitor is in the area because I like to know, because usually they'll tell me every hotel knows which, who their biggest competitor is around the city. And then I like to talk to them about what differentiates you from them and how do you set yourselves apart and who are your clients? What type of clients are coming? And when I ask this question, most hoteliers are able to describe to me, this type of client really loves to stay here. But if you have X, Y, and Z type of client, you probably do want to send them over across the way. And I really appreciate the honesty and the transparency that comes through when they answer these questions, because yes, everybody wants you to send your client to them, but we all agree that it's a win, win, win all the way around. If it's the best match. If I send my clients to a hotel just because I love the property and it's beautiful, but it's not a good fit for my client, we're all losing, right? The client's going to question us. The client's going to be unhappy. And the hotel team is going to be like, why did you send them to us? That This isn't our, you know, this isn't the right match for, for our clientele. So that's one question I like to ask. And I also like to ask them about their different room categories in which if we send them their clients, do they recommend the lead in room category or would they really prefer that we immediately jump up to the second room category too? It kind of depends on the hotel. If it's a really big hotel, we're going to skip those first room two room categories right off the top. But if it's a smaller boutique one and a lot of them are different, then they might also have differentiating factors of saying, well, this one's really great and it has a balcony, but it's smaller and this other one is bigger. So I also like to talk to them about the different room categories. Yeah, I like that. I love your suggestion on the asking who your biggest competitor is. That's going to take that to note. <laughs> yeah. And some of them aren't in consortiums and maybe they're not on our radar because like you were saying earlier, if it's a city we're not familiar with or whatever, haven't been firsthand, we may not know. And even when we do go 
to these cities. We don't know every single hotel. So it is, you know, sometimes you do get pleasantly surprised with a local recommendation of a really great option. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I also like to ask what their average stay is at their hotel. And a lot of them will tell me only a couple nights because so many travelers are, you know, really on the go. And they always kind of have this look on their face like, oh, you know, two nights or something. And so then I ask, well, what, what average day do you recommend? And then they get really excited and they're like, well, we recommend four nights because you can do this and this and this and this and this. And then that also helps me understand how much time do you need in this city? How much time do you really need to stay in this hotel? And those talking points help me go back and talk to my client. Mm-hmm. and say, well, you could stay here for two nights and that's perfectly fine. And we'll take all the boxes that you want. If you stay for three, here's what we could accomplish. And so then that also helps clients kind of slow down sometimes. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And one thing that kind of just sparked when you said that is I know this whole conversation is about working with suppliers and hotel partners and whatnot. I think it's it's really important to remind our clients of how important that a really great hotel and that can like be the game changer for an amazing vacation. So whether it's a standalone experience or a part of a larger itinerary, the hotels and the partners that we have along the way, it's it's the benchmark for really great um, experiences and I think longevity as travel advisors. So I think that's a really good point that you just made. I would love if we were able to find a really good way to describe the importance of our relationships with our supplier partners and really find a way to make clients see and feel it. Once a client travels with a travel advisor and they arrive at that hotel and they feel that welcome and they receive that personal note and that welcome amenity, and then I surprise them with a drink down in the bar, you know, once they experience it, they get it. And it's like, we'll never go back. Exactly. But if they haven't experienced it before, I often have a hard time articulating it in a way that they don't just tell me, whatever, I don't need breakfast at the hotel. I'll just grab a croissant out of the cafe. You know, like I, there's, it's very easy to kind of shove off these little non-tangible, well, what does it really mean to be VIP'd? What does it really mean to, to receive that personal welcome note? Like, do I really need that? Yes, you do. You're going to love it when you get there. You want this, trust me. And just because I worked in the restaurants in uh, China when I was, I started as a manager at one of the restaurants, I also like to ask about the restaurant in the hotel, if they're really highlighting the restaurants, I ask them what percentage of their patrons come from outside the hotel versus how many are hotel guests, because that is the true mark of a good restaurant, in my opinion, is if you have a restaurant in a hotel, but 80% of the business are hotel guests, that's just convenience, in my opinion. But if you have 30, 40, 50% of your guests coming in from outside, we've got a good restaurant on our hands. Yeah, that's a lot. I love that. Okay. Janelle, describe to me some of your favorite hotels and what did they do to really stand out from the crowd and why are they your favorites? So it's hard to pick. (laughs) Um, There's definitely a few. I mean, one that stands out to me is Las Arcobas in Mexico City. I just love that boutique hotel. I love the location. I think it's perfect location. You can walk to like 50 different restaurants outside your front door. What I felt was really special is the general manager came down and greeted and then they have their bellmen or their guest services bring me up to my room, not only with just my luggage, but they had a, a like a lovely drink. And then I got to pick like artisanal soap for the bathroom that I, I don't know, it was just local. It felt special, but I think the location and just like 
the amazing dining experiences nearby just solidified it as one of my favorite hotels that I've stayed mm-hmm. at. And it was just, it was just really special. And I think that I look for, personally, I look for that sense of place, that local vibe. And I think it's really powerful when you have that boutique hotel with a sense of place that also you can just trip outside your door and you are surrounded by some of the most amazing restaurants and food experiences in the city. That's also like tick, 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 all of the boxes, right? Exactly. Leah, talk to us about one of your favorite hotels and what they did to really stand out and why it's your favorite. I mean, I'm going to sound like I'm copying your answers, but (laughs) I was just going to say, you know, my favorites tend to be more boutique in style, great sense of place. You know, I want to feel like I'm in the destination and not just, you know, a hotel that could be anywhere. They incorporate some local amenity you know, I've seen like the soaps where they, they cut it for you. The the beach towels are like hand woven by the women in a neighboring village, like things mm-hmm. like that that are so, so neat and so special. Um, one of my more recent trips was down to Puerto Vallarta and I stayed at the Gran Velas and they really went out of their way. I mean, they, they had pictures in our room, you know, they just had little welcome amenities they gave us, gave me a beautiful bag that was hand embroidered from the women of this particular village in Mexico. And you could also buy these items, you know, in the gift shop, but it was just such a nice treat. And I love supporting the local communities, of course. Mm -hmm. That's another Mm -hmm. reason why we travel is to spend our tourism dollars wisely. And yeah, uh, yeah, so it was just a great experience. And I think, again, just give me that sense of place, make me feel like I'm in Mexico or make me feel like I'm in Paris with macarons in the room or whatever the case may be. We all three have very similar tastes in hotels, and yeah. I could definitely throw in some Mexico hotels to this conversation. But for the sake of a variety, the Siam in Thailand is in Bangkok is one of my absolute favorites, and it's everything that you guys just described. But in addition, there's history in the entire design of the hotel, as the hotel is decorated with all of the owners' antique collection. And so when you walk around, it's you feel like you're in someone's home, and not only do you feel like you're in Thailand, and there's incredible you know service and every staff member on property knows your name and you have a butler that you become friends with after you know a two-night stay and it's just really incredible but it's it's everything that you guys described and also it feels like someone's home and, and that was that's one of my most memorable stays recently I'm very curious to know in terms of trying to learn about hotels and getting to know about all the options out there. Do both of you work with a lot of hotel representation companies? I happen to consider them one of the most valuable tools in my toolbox as an advisor. Janelle, what are your thoughts? Do you do you work with a lot of representation companies and, and how do you work with them to really gain the greatest benefit? Yeah. So I think representation companies are such a great extension of a lot of times it's the properties that are international and may not have a presence here in the U.S. So I think working with them, I've been able to meet a lot of really great contacts in country from that middleman. Essentially, those rep companies are able to introduce us. Also being able to have like a one-stop shop, you know, whether it's five different clients that they represent or 15, it is nice to be able to have a set person who can help make things happen pretty quickly. So yes, I do use representation companies. I think that they're just like a really great, almost like a added testimonial or just like that added sense of like credibility for properties because I know that, okay, this particular rep company 
has really great clients and everyone's been happy that I've sent to, you know, three of the, of their collection. So I can feel confident in the rest of the properties that they represent because they obviously have a vetting process. They're not just going to represent anyone and they take pride in what they do. So I think that that's really important and really beneficial for us <laughs> to have yes. this mm-hmm. I love that you, you mentioned that because for me, it's, it's the same. It's another stamp of approval. So, you know, when, when we have some preferred partners who might have hundreds of hotels in their portfolio, I'm definitely paying attention to that. But when I see that one of the representation companies who may only have 10 or 15 or 20 hotels in their portfolio, and they also represent that property, they just shoot to the top of my list of consideration because I trust that representation company. I think they take a lot of pride in curating the collection and the the partners that they represent, and they're not just bringing anyone in for the sake of it. So I, I also definitely consider it a seal of approval. Leah, how do you work with hotel representation companies? What are What's one of the greatest benefits that you've seen from really getting to know them and working together with them as a partner? I think, I mean, two come to mind right off the top of my head, uh, Joanna Heathcote, and Dominique DeBay, I feel like they have such a nice portfolio of unique, unique properties and not necessarily all five-star. We're not all going to have, you know, five-star clients and that's just, that's fine. Uh, So they cover a wide variety, but all very unique that you wouldn't necessarily find on, you know, your consortia site, but virtuoso.com is not going to carry that little boutique Mm four-star that is, you know, this charming working farmhouse that's been turned into this luxury properties. And anytime I have a question, of course, they're available and they they get right back to you. And I typically, um, you know, just let them know. I just booked your property and thank you so much for for pointing this one out. And they then shoot that email off to the property and just say, hey, look out for this client and this Mm -hmm. is where it's coming from. And I really appreciate that support. It's more personalized, I feel. Yes. And and I'm glad you mentioned that as well. Not only do I feel like rep companies are a stamp of approval for properties that we might already know that might already be part of a preferred partner portfolio, but the biggest stamp of approval is from these, these small hotels that we would never find on our own. Right. And I love meeting a new rep company and I look through their portfolio and I'm like, I've never heard of this one. And I probably wouldn't have found that one, even if I searched and searched and searched. And then if I did find it, but I found it randomly, I would question, can I really send clients here? What does the quality look like? Like, what does the service look like on the ground? But the moment that a rep company is involved, no questions asked. Like, this can be a fantastic option for clients. So, yes, I love them. They're my favorite. They're actually now, I look forward to meeting rep companies at every event I attend because I always learn about a new supplier or a new hotel every time I meet one. Yeah, very true. As we alluded to at the very beginning of our conversation, there it can often feel like there is an overabundance of hotels just to know about, to learn about, to know the details, to be able to describe them to our clients and to stay up to date. So when you've met a hotel partner or you've learned about a new property, maybe from another advisor or from a trade show, how do you keep track of all your notes? How do you keep track of all the suggestions you've received, your personal experiences on a site inspection, maybe feedback from a client who just got home and they mentioned a few things, positive and constructive? Have you, have either one of you developed a system to stay organized in this regard? Hmm. That's a tough one. For me personally, I, I feel like my way of documenting and I guess my diary or journal <laughs> is more social media. And typically I'll go back to, uh, you know, whatever was posted 
typically it, it helps to rejot my memory of the specific points that I found important. Um, I also take notes on my phone. So usually I'll just in my notes, I'll, um, if I'm on a site visit, I'll take notes that's on my phone so that I can quickly go back. It has the date there and I can like remember where I'm at. Obviously I'm taking pictures along the way. So that helps. So that's obviously that firsthand kind of documenting. But as far as like remembering or just getting that feedback, I mean, I write down if a client says, oh my gosh, because I have a couple of clients who just, they talk to all their friends and they're talking about what's new and whatever. And if I haven't heard of something, oftentimes I'll just, oh yeah. And then (laughs) write it down and then do a quick search. And then I'll reach out to the hotel and I'll say, hey, can you send me some information about the hotel? And I'm, I'm not afraid of doing that. I don't feel like a bother. I think that even if you don't have business right now, at least you're prepared. And if it's come up once, chances are it's going to come up again. That's just the universe. <laughs> so, so I think just taking those few minutes to just like do that quick research, uncover who's the contact there, get some information and just learn about it. Just Google search and just kind of remember what they're talking about then Typically, it stays in, I don't know, for some reason, I am able to retain it that way. But there's just so much and things are always changing, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's a newly acquired brand overhead, you know, there's just so many different aspects that could change a hotel. So I think just like looking it up in the moment is really important. But obviously, there's certain brands that I think we identify with personally, and we tend to keep up with organically. Mm -hmm. So I think that that tends to be kind of where we where we live. And as a result, I think we tend to unbiased (laughs) is Mm -hmm. kind of not really a thing because Mm -hmm. we are so involved in learning about the hotels that we're passionate about. So I think as a result, our clients tend to reap the benefits, I guess, of of that knowledge and being able to send them to properties that are relevant to them, but also can be impactful. So I don't know. I think that there's a few different ways. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned um, kind of learning about hotels and and yes, we definitely have our preferences and our certain portfolios and brands that we that we all love. And you're right, there's no no one's neutral. No one, everyone has bias. We all have our favorites. But that I was also wondering how proactive both of you are in terms of do you try to to keep up with new hotels, keep up with different properties around regions that you're planning often? Or do you really wait until a client asks? It always scares me to wait till a, until a client asks because then I feel like I'm playing catch up of like, oh no, what if I miss a really cool hotel that you know could be the one? So I'm, I'm always trying to learn about hotels. I'm, I'm watching all of the new properties opening up. I'm watching all the portfolios as they add properties into their portfolio. And I'm always trying to note them down so that when someone does ask on that destination, that it's already at least there. And I, and I feel like I have a starting point as opposed to just starting with a blank slate every time. Leah, how do you approach keeping track and proactively knowing about all the new hotels that are out there, but also how are you keeping track of all of these notes and all this feedback and everything that you're learning when you visit? What's what's your system? Great question. <laughs> well, I have a very unorganized folder where I just kind of move things in there, um, whether it be you know the presentations or the videos. They do a webinar, they often send the recording afterwards. And if there was something that really stood out and piqued my interest, I'll put it in that folder. Back when we were doing fam trips regularly, taking notes on all of those properties that we would visit. And then at the end of 
the fam trip, I would do like a fam report and I would share it amongst my colleagues and and just email it to myself as well to have it for for future reference. I really like that. That's a really good idea. Yes. Having a fan report and just sharing it with your, with your close colleagues. Yeah. And then just, you know, if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to dive in further. And I feel like we have such a great community where we can all share, you know, we're not competing against each other. We need to just all share our vast wealth of knowledge. And it's one of these industries I feel where you can, you're just constantly learning. And that's Mm -hmm. another beautiful thing about it. It never gets old. It never gets boring and never gets tired. You're just constantly Mm -hmm. learning. So I'm doing as many, you know, webinars or or lunch and learns or attending, you know, the road shows, which are now virtual these days, but I'll attend the virtual road show. And mm-hmm. so constantly like brushing up on what's out there in the various destinations so that when I am approached, I'm not like a deer in headlights and I, I don't have anything to give you right now. Let me get back to you. I have something, even if I'm not an expert in that destination. And and I can at least speak to them about that and then research further. I love the idea of a fam report, just in the idea that it would be a consistent approach to all of the hotels. So you can really compare apples to apples mm-hmm. um, because I find Facebook groups with advisors really, really helpful sometimes when I'm just reading through comments and I'm not looking for anything specific. That that would be me reading and not me asking. But then I go back to those groups sometimes and I'll search. I'll be like, I remember someone asked about this and now I need this information. And so I'll search for it and I'll try to find it. And then it's a fantastic conversation, but they're not actually answering the exact question that I'm looking for at that time. And sometimes they are, but many times they're not. And so I feel like Facebook forums are fantastic when the information is there for you. Mm-hmm. And then when the information is missing, it's like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to go find it elsewhere. So the idea of a FAM report makes me feel like there would be a very consistent approach and there would be the same information shared on every hotel that you visit. And that's a fantastic way to approach it. I really like that. Um, One thing that I started last year, I think I started this because I was planning an African safari and I was having a really hard time understanding where all of these camps were like on a map and how far away from each other they were. And I just really, I could not get my brain wrapped around all these places that clients were going. So I started a Google map planting all of the camps that we were going to include in the proposal and all of the ones that they were choosing. And I was also trying to understand like the major, this one was for Botswana specifically. There are a few key places that you visit in Botswana that are all very different from one another in terms of the landscape and the look and feel. So I was really trying to understand not only where are these camps located, but like what are the main regions and areas? Like if you're going to visit three different places in Botswana, where exactly is it in the country? So I started this map and I started dropping pins on each one and I started coloring the pins based on the preferred partner or the portfolio that the camp was in. So I can remember, is this like, is this a luxury camp? Is this a mobile camp? Like, what is this? So I was coloring the pins and then I was making notes as I was doing my research of like, okay, this one offers these amenities. This one offers these experiences, but this one doesn't. And so trying to help myself compare and contrast. And that map has now blown up into (laughs) a whole world map. And this has become my system for keeping track of notes. I have a huge Google map with pins in all different colors and I know what all the colors mean. And so if it's purple, it's a consortia. And if it's orange, it's a five-star hotel, but it's not consortia, but it's part of a preferred partner or a hotel rep company and so I have like this whole legend. And so now- I love it. 
kind of started by accident with this Botswana trip. And then now it's become one of my greatest resources. And if you talk to any of my close colleagues or any of my team members, they're just like, oh God, Whitney in that map. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone loves it as much as I do, but it has become a tremendous resource because that's how my brain works. Like I not only want to know the hotel and know the details and the selling points about it, but I also need to know the location. So now that map has become my greatest tool in kind of keeping track of all these notes. And then when I do see something on a Facebook forum, and it's just like a quick little note of the beach is swimmable, or this restaurant is the best, or, you know, definitely start at this room category, you know, just these little tidbits and insights, I go add them to my map. So when I click on that pin six months later, I, I'm impressed to know that you retain all this information because I forget <laughs> the next day. Is that beach swimmable? I don't remember. Um, I go add it to the map and that's become my system for keeping track of all these hotels in my notes. I mean, that's really good. That sounds I know. Good. I'd love to see this map someday. I know. <laughs> I'll see if I can screen share or like somehow show you what it looks like. Very cool. That. No, that's great. And I, I mean, I think that finding there's so many different options and I think staying in the know, like with hotel openings and everything for me, I, I love that. Like, I feel like that's like the best part is like, Ooh, what's, what's new, what's exciting. And I think it's, it's funny. Cause like, I feel like it's a lot of like, who's first to market to bring this out to the world. Like, you know, like there's a lot of that, but at the end of the day, it's like, you have to just think of our audience and think of who is going to see it that would book with us at the end of the day, you know, or in a conversation. So I think just being able to share those little things and just share it with your clients, even if it's just like, hey, new hotel opening, thought this would be great for you. Even if we're not right now, you should check it out. How did both of you choose where to stay when you are on your own trip? I think as much as all travel advisors want to take a true vacation, we all know that there is no such thing as a true vacation because we always have our advisor cap on. So I'm curious to know, how do you choose where to stay? Do you approach a destination and try to stay in as many hotels as possible? Do you stay in one but then you visit other ones and go do a site or grab lunch or grab drinks. How do you approach your personal travel? Well, this is an interesting one. Anybody who travels with me probably says that I'm hard to keep up with. And I totally get it. If, even if I'm on a relaxing vacation, it's just so hard to turn that travel advisor off. I'm like, let's just pop over here and I'll just walk into the lobby just to look at it real quick. Yes. <laughs> So for me, it's it's constant and ongoing. I try to see as many properties or stay at as many as I can. So two nights here, two nights there. I'm not opposed to that at all. And it's often, if I'm talking about a specific destination, which properties am I selling most? And which one of these have I not seen? And that will kind of narrow it down for me. I think that's a really good distinction. When I first got started, I felt like I needed to see and experience every single hotel in every single city. And obviously I figured out very quickly, just stop it. Like it's not, it's not possible. Not possible. <laughs> now, as I've, now as I've gone on longer, I've been able to hone in on the types of hotels and the price points that my clients are really looking for. And so when I approach a new city, there might be a stunning top of the top hotel available. But if I'm being really honest with myself, when my clients go to that destination, is that what they're looking for? Uh, so I, I try to really hone in on which of the hotels are going to be most advantageous for me to learn about because I know that hotels are going to look for this in the future. Now, let's not say that a client might not ask for the top of the top at some point and then I'm caught on my heels, but you know, you have to be honest with yourself and, and know what your clients are really looking for and know the price points and the locations that they're really asking for. Janelle, what's your approach with your personal travels? 
So with personal travel, I think it's it's interesting because I feel like, you know, obviously I want to stay at all of the preferred hotels and be able to experience it firsthand. And I do think that I've been able to get some of that in the last couple of years since starting my travel agency. But I think it's important for advisors to, at newer advisors, I'm speaking purely to newer advisors who are just getting started, is to not be overwhelmed with the glitz and glam of the industry and think that you have to spend a lot of money to be able to see the properties and experience them firsthand. So what I would recommend and what I've done in my personal life is finding a hotel that's in your budget, (laughs) work with your budget. Hopefully one of your preferred partners can meet you at a budget that will work for you. But then check out the hotels, like go for lunch, go for breakfast, go for happy hour, dinner, you know, check out their rooftop, go for site visit um, and be able to see the product. I think that that's super important as you're building your business and may not have the funds to be able to afford these gorgeous properties that we see all the time. Like we're in the industry, we see all these experienced advisors who have been doing it for years and they have the clout, they have the clients, they have the money to be able to afford that. And so I think as newer advisors, and this is something that I'm just like, personally passionate about is about the next generation of advisors is don't be um, scared to book the Airbnb or I know like it's hard, like it's hard because we're in the industry, but like, don't be afraid to book what works for you. Don't just go with the flow work with what your budget is and experience those luxury properties in a way that makes sense for you in that period of time in your life. So we all want to stay at the Four Seasons. We all want to stay at the Ritz-Carlton. But when you're just starting out, it's hard. And if if we're just completely honest, like it's a luxury industry and we have to build and we have to start from somewhere. Work those angels and work with whatever you can to make it work for you. And you can still be an expert in your industry while gaining that crucial knowledge in the first few years of your business. Thinking back to when I first got started, it's it's an incredible feeling when you start a new business and you're like, okay, my website is done. My Instagram is going. I don't have any clients yet. Like, what should I do with my time? I do not recommend just making the leap into full-time travel advising, but I moved from China to Los Angeles and left my job. And so I kind of was just like, well, guess I'm a full-time travel advisor. I got to figure out how to make this work. That is not what I recommend for all people to do, but because I needed to fill my time and I wanted to really learn as much as possible and not just be sitting around twiddling my thumbs, I scheduled every side inspection in Los Angeles with any hotel that would accept me. And that was really such an amazing way to really start meeting people in the industry, start seeing these hotels. And now what's amazing is that our industry is so small. And so very few of the first people that I met, do they still work for those companies or at those hotels? Because this was five years ago by now. But they're still in the industry and they're just with a different company. So that connection is still there. And they still remember me because I was showing up like, hey, I'm a new travel advisor, you know. So just be honest, be transparent when you're you're reaching out. And almost anyone in the industry, if they know that you're new, they want to help you learn. They want to show you the ropes. So I think that's a really, really good. um, That's really great advice to know. Thank you. Yeah, great. Great advice. I was just, you know, in Cabo and the Zadun Ritz-Carlton Reserve opened a year ago. And I've been dying to see it. It's $1,000 a night, you know. Even the industry rate is is four ninety five plus tax, and it's not realistic for me right now. But you know, I reached out and I said I'm going to be in the area. I would love to have just a site inspection if you'll if you'll accept me, and they are more than happy to arrange that. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's an hour of my time that I now can sell that property with firsthand knowledge, even though I haven't stayed there. Yes. I don't think staying in a hotel is required. I think if you go and you have drinks or you have dinner or you do a side inspection, I think that's got you 80% of the way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Final question. What advice would both of you give to a new advisor about building relationships with hotels, hotel partners, and representation companies? Janelle, what would you say for a brand new advisor getting involved in really prioritizing, you know, building mutually beneficial and strong relationships with our hotel partners? I would definitely say there's a tact. There's a bit of a a grace to working with different suppliers and different personalities, different people. I think generally everyone really wants to help. They want to, they want you to look really really good. But just, I would say, build those relationships and try to not just make it about that particular inquiry. Try to get to know them. Try to get to know them personally so that you can start to develop a relationship with that supplier so that it's it doesn't feel like work or it doesn't feel like, you know, that you're having to like, I don't know, pull teeth to get an inquiry done. So I think that that's really important is the relationships that you're building and understanding, like you just said, like five years ago, you went knocking on doors and asking for a site visit, but those people remember you. And it's the same with me. I obviously having had worked on the hotel side, I remember the advisors who actually took time to like call me after a client had a really great stay you know, the art of writing a thank you note. (laughs) If you have gone on a a fam visit and someone has, has invested their time and energy and hosted you for free, write them a thank you note. You know, it's, it's something that's so simple, but goes a really long way. And you'd be surprised at how that can really help with, with making your client stays really special when, when you do have the opportunity. So I think the relationships are so key and just being personable and valuing them and what they're doing for you. It's a partnership at the end of the day. It's so important because we are nothing without them. They are nothing without us. It goes mm-hmm. both ways. I love this. And I and I always try to think about with clients, we are trying to elevate the experience we provide for clients to take it above and beyond that transactional travel agency feel, right? We really want to collaborate. We want to create an experience. And so essentially what you're saying is do the same with hotel partners. Mm-hmm. Take it above that transaction of just asking for rates, just asking for those amenities and try to get to know them, build a relationship. And that follow-up thank you is a total game changer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And not only does it help improve the client's experience, but it also makes our day-to-day interactions just a lot more enjoyable, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leo, if you were to provide one piece of key advice for new advisors on building mutually beneficial, positive relationships with our hotel partners, what would you say? Yeah, I would say, you know, we're, we are in the relationship business, whether it's, you know, with our clients or suppliers. So just showing up and getting to know them on more of a personal level, asking questions, you know, maybe if you, if you saw on social media that they were just in one of your favorite destinations, when you're reaching out to ask for that VIP, oh my gosh, your pictures and mm-hmm. X looked amazing. By the way, I'm sending this client sort of thing. And and just further to that, also a don't, which would be, you know, there's a lot of the new advisors that I think do get into the industry thinking, oh, I'm going to just travel all the time and, you know, be, be staying at these amazing hotels and don't be that new advisor that's just meeting the supplier and immediately asking for 
for fam or a comp stay or, or something like that. You know, it, it takes a little while to get there, but you'll get there and yeah, just build those relationships. I, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I think it's, it's really important because I learned this very early on as well. And what I try to remind new advisors of is when we're part of a consortia, when we're part of a host agency, there are numbers behind our business. Suppliers have access to these numbers. If we reach out and ask for a fam or ask for a discounted rate or a complimentary stay, it's just a few clicks of a button for them to pull up our stats, to see how much we're selling each year, to see if we're selling to their destination, to see if we've ever sold their property before. And so I try to, this goes back to when I was mentioning when I go on my personal stays, I really try to hone in on the properties that not just the big, nice, fancy one that I want to go check out and see because everyone's been saying there, but which properties are really going to be right for my business and which properties are really ticking the boxes of what my clients are generally looking for and what they're asking for. And so I really have grown. I'm not going to say that I did this very well at the very beginning, but I have learned. And I think that that's the important thing is that when I reach out and I ask for anything, I try to at least show that if I haven't had business there before, that I have potential or that I have clients looking there, or, you know, I try to make sure that I'm going to be able to give back to that generosity that they've provided by a fam or a, a complimentary stay. And again, that just goes back to building a positive relationship that is mutually beneficial. Because if we just ask for complimentary race and then we say, see you later and we never send them business or we never say anything again, that's not mutually beneficial, right? Right. Leah and Janelle, this was such a great discussion on the importance of our relationship with hotel partners. And for everyone listening, I hope everyone was able to take out just at least one key insight or a strategy to continue to strengthen these relationships. And I'm confident that it will improve both the planning experience for you as well as the travel experience for your clients. Building mutually beneficial, positive relationships with all of our partners are a win, win, win for everyone. Janelle and Leah, thank you again for your willingness and for your enthusiasm to be a part of the conversation. Thank you so much, Whitney. It was great seeing you both. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you want more, head over to mastersintravelpod.com for show notes and links to the resources we discussed in today's episode. If you loved today's interview as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who is ready to level up their travel business. To continue the conversation, find us on Instagram at Masters in Travel, where we preview upcoming episodes and engage with our listeners to decide what topics to cover next. We'll see you next time.